0: This is a boat Airbnb. I'm sorry, do you get to stay on a boat? Yeah. Like on a lake? Yeah. Oh, I not you. Sleep aboard our 43-foot cruiser. They have a 43-foot cruiser you can stay on. The only thing that beats a hotel house with a lake view naturally st- is actually staying on the lake. All right. I like that. I do kind of like that a little bit. It depends, though. Okay. It all. It's also that's the dead really, of winter. That's really cool but they should have picked a better name because they did name this boat mayhem so <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah come and enjoy it. uh stay on our uh boat titanic three Hi everybody, welcome back to another week of Burnt Popcorn. We watched two movies, one of them was good, one of them was bad, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to tell you which one was good and which one's bad. Uh, this week we watched Lethal Weapon and uh, Samurai Cop, I forgot the name of it. Uh, so How could you ever forget the name of Samurai Cop? Right, I mean it's n- nothing like Beverly Hills Cop or Beverly Hills Samurai. It's Beverly really Hills Ninja. Damn it! Shit. See, there's I can also that one up too. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a Hollywood Cop and uh, Killing American Style, which are the other two Amir Shavon movies. That's there are two fun. more of. There are two more of these movies that are like this one. I don't okay. think Samurai Cop Two is like Samurai Cop. Don't worry. I'm. After tonight, we're not We're done. We're gonna good. go with, uh, bad good movies. <laughs> I think going forward with the show, we're kind of gonna step away from B movies a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to to our credit, I don't think we haven't done a ton of them. I think it's just tough because it's just like, how do you rate these? Because, like, they're hilarious, but it's like, this is objectively not a good movie. It's also tough because I don't have five hours a day to just, like, watch nothing that matters. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> rather than spend my time watching just like the bottom barrel trash of everything. You know, I I try to watch good things that I enjoy. Right. Yeah. It, it's got to be worth your time. That being said, did you watch anything good, Charlie? <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, So I canceled my I canceled my HBO Max today. Nice. Stick it to uh a- yeah oh shit that means i don't have hbo max anymore damn it oh wait shit i i thought you weren't using mine shit i can okay i think i I used it once it's fine it's not a big deal oh Oh, god damn it well no because like a lot of the movies that we do end up being on disney plus or hbo max and i was like or i could just pay for amazon so uh or just like rent it off of Amazon. For yeah, I just need to rent it. It's like three bucks, whatever. Right. Exactly. As opposed to the you know eleven ninety nine a month and then fifteen ninety nine a month that Disney Plus is. I was just like, get rid of them all. I'll just yeah. I'll just buy things off of Amazon, or I'll, or I'll. Hey, we're gonna get real quiet for a second. Or I'll illegally pirate them because <sighs> fuck the film industry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I paid a couple of guys in Sudan to hijack those movie shipments that are coming in from Japan. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I'll say it now. Yes, I want to go into the film industry. My dream is to be a writer for a Netflix show on, uh, like, or like a, a film, like a feature film. That being said, if, I, if that ever happens for me, pirate my shit. I don't fucking care. Do you, does this sound familiar, this, I know this was a thing, I don't remember who it was, but there was like a band that put out an album, and they were just like, if you can't afford it, just go into record stores and steal it. Yeah, oh, god, yes, 100%, that sounds like a thing that I remember hearing about. I want to say it was somebody with a female singer, like the Cranberries or something. I was gonna, yeah, I was thinking the, I was thinking the Her Cranberries. Shanae O'Connor, yeah. one of those. I don't yeah, know. just like, just, just steal it. Shannon O'Connor seems like she'd do yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I understand that paying for things helps the industry. However, if you're behind a paywall that's eleven ninety nine a month and you're a poor person, steal my shit. I don't care. <laughs> You think I'm going to pay for Herbie Fully Loaded? That movie made $70 million. (laughs) On top of it, you have to account for merchandise that isn't even tied into gross. Right. How many Herbie action figures got sold after that movie? How many kick-flipping Lindsay Lohans? Here's the thing, is I very much remember there were Herbie toys when that came out. Yeah. Yeah i could see them being like a mcdonald's happy meal thing yeah that's i i'm pretty sure they were a mcdonald's happy meal kind of thing but that's all that's what i mean is like here's the thing is studios studios aren't gonna fucking bankrupt themselves warner brothers isn't bankrupting themselves disney is fine steal their shit it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah Disney is one of the uh, bottomless pits that I. it shouldn't matter if you steal their stuff. Just to avoid lawsuits, I am not endorsing anybody steal it. I'm just saying if you yeah, had to. I would never <laughs> endorse someone to directly steal from a very specific company called Disney. Right. Now listen to every fourth word of this podcast. Anywho. Yeah, I watched Titans. Uh, It was good. <laughs> Titans. What was that? What was that one? That's the that's the Live Action Teen Titans. Oh. I started that cuz I've got a month left of the whole this whole rant was I have a month left of HBO Max, so I'm uh I'm binge watching all of the things on it that uh yeah, um Titans is good. The first two episodes were really good. Okay, that's cool. I remember when it was going to be a full-length movie and then they said, "No, just Cyborg. No, just in De- just in the Justice League." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was and then and then it was like, but we are going to give you a Titans TV series, and everyone was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. And then the fu- then the fuck Batman trailer came out, and everyone lost it. I remember that was all anybody would talk about. So on in on my Instagram Explore page, it's only like movie ac- like Marvel and DC movie accounts, because uh, apparently that's all I look at. Uh, and when that came out, every account was uh the fuck batman trailer and like this is so bad and it's not that bad it's pretty good i liked it okay. i like the first episode has some really cool character stuff all um, right how about you do you see anything uh good special enjoyable no i've just been playing a lot of skyrim <laughs> just tons of skyrim <laughs> i forgot how easy I it told is to you. get sucked into that game it's just like all of a sudden you look down and you're like damn i've been playing this for like I have to get ready for work. I've been playing this for an hour and a half. I thought it was like 20 minutes. <laughs> Mike, I told you. What did I, I told you? The second you get a gaming computer, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's about it. Well, hey, why don't we talk about the two things we did watch, you know? Let's do this. Uh, hey, Mike, tell me about a movie called Lethal Weapon. I just want to say this movie uh has officially become my favorite christmas movie it, it there's a lot of saying merry christmas in it there's a christmas tree it's a christmas movie just like die hard mike is mike is very angry at the fact that people keep calling die hard a christmas movie yeah i don't <laughs> say i love passion of the christ it's my favorite easter movie uh i will say ten commandments is my favorite easter movie i mean passion of the christ though makes sense as an easter movie because it's literally what easter is about yeah it's easter origins yeah homeward bound is my favorite wedding movie Uh, (laughs) i just love the idea that peter cottontail and passion of the christ are both canonically easter movies (laughs) (laughs) right yeah it's christmas we're listening to some jingle bell rock is that what's going on in this yeah yeah it opens on some jingle bell rock right and cocaine and then uh and then mel gibson said we should make a movie out of this (laughs) mel gibson just kind of left his cocaine out on a table and they said fuck it it's a set piece now uh (laughs) and uh this girl's doing drugs um she ends up jumping, jumps out of the uh, high, the penthouse of a hotel, lands on a car, smash, big boom. Um, now we're gonna cut ahead. We're gonna end up in uh, Danny Danny Glover's house, not Donald Glover. I see Donald Glover way too much. Uh, so we're at Childish Gambino's house, and. Um, <laughs> And this is America. Yeah. So he's in the bathtub and uh, his family wants to pop in while he's in the fucking tub. And be like, happy birthday, dad. In my opinion, this is so weird because I, I couldn't help but think to myself, does everyone just have daddy bath time, and I'm not aware of this? Like, is that just something that didn't happen in my house? I think it would've been hilarious if he was taking a shower instead of a bath, and he just popped in while he was showering. <laughs> <laughs> Blow the candles on this cake, and it's just like getting rained on. He's like, "Oh, you kids!" Uh, so it's his fiftieth. It's his fiftieth birthday. Uh, and you know he, he get introduced to his family, blah blah blah. He's a cop. Moving on. Uh, now we see Mel Gibson. He's drunk and naked, and then we, somebody we, turned a camera on. I want to, <laughs> I want to point out that in the first three scenes of this movie, we have seen booby, we have seen not Danny Glover peeing, but someone did on that set, right? And and we have seen Mel Gibson's butt. The yeah. first 3 scenes of this movie involve Right, there's like, something for everybody. Yeah, a little some some for everyone. And children. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and kids. There was Naked Danny Glover and kids in the same scene. <laughs> so it's a family film is what you're saying. Exactly. It's a family film. Also, did you notice uh Danny Glover he gets the call about the jumper and he's driving to the scene. Did you notice that when he's getting out, did you hear what was on the uh the dispatch walkie? What was it saying? I tried to listen to it. It was um uh I'm down at whatever, wherever they are. Uh, we got a drunk woman, currently nude, five foot, approximately 350 pounds. Yeah, okay, I heard 350 pounds. That was the thing that like, I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> who in this scene is about to be three? 300- so, uh, yeah, I thought they were talking about the jumper, and then I was just like, okay, she was drunk and jumped, I guess. You know, she was doing cocaine. She could have been drinking, too. Five foot, I don't know how tall she is. There's nothing to compare it to. She was right. not 350 pounds, or this car yeah. would have been flattened. <laughs> no one in this next scene was 350 pounds. Or is this 350 pounds, and no one was naked? Yeah, well, Charlie, we've already seen three naked people. Yeah. <laughs> Why not throw a fourth in? You're right. What am I thinking? It's 87, there's Coke, and there's Mel Gibson. Right. I want to point out the same guy that directed this also directed uh, The Goonies. Yeah. Danny Glover's butt is good enough for me. Um, So... uh... Uh, Danny's asking questions, trying to figure out stuff about, uh, what's going on, and it turns out that it is a, uh, the Jumper is the daughter of somebody that he fought in Vietnam with, who tried to call him earlier that day. Why is everybody related in this movie through Nam? Yeah, yeah, everybody's been to Nam. This is, uh, Like, I get it. It was a big event in American history. Right. Yeah, this is like 15 years after Vietnam ended, um, yeah <laughs> mel gibson is checking out some cool cocaine and, in a christmas uh, tree farm oh yeah a christmas tree farm that also sells cocaine and uh he uh he's checking it out he's like "Ooh, this seems like good stuff how much for it and the guy goes uh, i'll give it to you for a hundred and i'll throw in a free tree and he's like fuck yes what a good deal and he starts pulling out a hundred dollar bills and the guy's just like what are you doing pal three thousand dollars to which mel gibson replies fuck you this is my cocaine that i brought to set yeah get your own cocaine i'm not sharing uh and then uh, he says well i'm gonna take this for free because i'm a cop and pulls out a badge and and the guys are like i don't know why they made this a thing but they're like this isn't a real badge and then he's like yes it is and then they have like a fucking argument about it yeah and then he's just like well i got a gun so what does that mean and then is it real enough for you now yeah dude pops out of the truck uh the christmas tree truck he's got a shotgun i don't know where he came from i don't know why he was hiding in there Um, but then they have a shootout in the middle of the city with people all around and mel gibson will not miss a single shot in this entire film oh yeah, he's Deadeye. Now, uh, they're wandering around looking for the last guy and backups finally showed up to help out Mel Gibson make this arrest. And, uh, he's coming around a corner and the suspect grabs him and puts a gun to his head. And, uh, Mel Gibson is just like, fuck it. Shoot him. Somebody shoot him. Just shoot it. It's a big target, which is what I never understood. Right. (laughs) Especially if it's like they have a gun to a cop's head. It's like, that's just, like, in police code, that is justification for using force, like, deadly force. So, right. And like, that's a big target. And on top of it, not just that, we're not in, like, a warehouse and this guy's up against a wall. We're in the middle of a broad daylight Christmas tree, like, sale farm kind of thing. They have him 360 surrounded. Right, yeah, there are still children picking out wreaths. Um, you can pop this man twice in his big ass back cause he literally has his back turned to like two different police officers right and Mel Gibson's just like shoot him why aren't you shooting him shoot him you guys are bad at your job um so (laughs) and then he starts being like shoot me just shoot me yeah, pull the trigger, loser. So um, now the whole point of that is uh, Mel Gibson, uh, he, you get the feeling that he always volunteers for all the dangerous jobs. He's always undercover and going after the dangerous people because he doesn't care if he lives or dies. Um, he is suicidal we find that out and that's what makes him the real lethal weapon uh yeah he's a ticking time bomb uh so we're at the department (laughs) and uh you know there's the psychologist there and she's trying to say that he's suicidal and shouldn't be a police officer and uh right the chief is like well if he's dead we'll find out that i'm wrong and it's like that's a bad bad way to figure things out this is like Schrodinger's cat, but you shoot the box and say, now we know it's dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, it also, so first things first, when I first saw this lady come up, this psychologist walk up, I'm like, okay, she's the love interest. They're going to force Mel Gibson to see her yeah. and like talk to her and like, they'll develop a budding relationship. Right. Uh, and I was like, that's, that's how I would write this film. Nope. Nope. We don't talk to her at all. This man, who is a known psychopath, doesn't even see her once. <laughs> right, and in the previous scene, we know that she's honest. Yeah, like, she knows what she's talking about because uh, Mel Gibson gets drunk and puts a gun in his mouth and then uh, doesn't pull the trigger. Yeah. In a really good scene. Yeah. This, this was the first scene in the movie where I was like, oh, shit, this is fucking this is tense, right yeah because i know i've seen all the movies i know he doesn't do it but even in that scene <laughs> right, i was like 10 minutes it, into the movie what <laughs> if they just led with mel gibson and then he pulls the trigger and they're just like now let's get the real lead in here and, and like you know nicholas yeah. cage shows up and shoots the rest of the movie I, uh, tom cruise is the real lethal weapon we just need to get mel gibson out of right, here it was like halfway through like shooting the movie contract negotiations broke down they're like we'll give you a million was just to get out of this movie and they're like okay now we gotta kill him <laughs> off <laughs> now danny glover's back at the department and uh he's trying to figure stuff out about this jumper and figure out you know all that's going on and uh he's talking to uh a detective the detective's giving him a few like information about the case and then he goes oh yeah you're getting a new partner and he's like uh okay cool and now we see mel gibson in the background and apropos of nothing he just pulls his gun out and starts looking at it and danny glover's like who's this man in street clothes with a gun in a police department i'm gonna tackle him a logical step yes like it could have like especially since like he came in walking with another officer so it's like he could be under arrest like he could just be somebody being brought into the department also like you said, this, and I don't think you even said it best, this man is in, like, straight street clothes. Like, he looks like a homeless man with a gun. Right, yeah. He looks like, uh, if, uh, you told a 1980 skater man to dress up for a cool party. Yeah. So, Danny tackles <laughs> him, and, and the detective goes, oh, and this is your new partner. And Danny goes, I'm gonna do for this shit. And they, uh, they leave. Uh... <laughs> So uh now they're walking back and they're walking to the car on their first day as partners and you know, they get to know each other. Well forced plot, they get to know each other. Mel Gibson's just like Yeah Well, they sent me here from San Diego. San Diego or San Francisco? San Diego, what are those? You're thinking Samurai Cop. Damn it, fuck, you're right. Uh he did get shipped in <laughs> from a different place because he was psychotic. Um uh, no, he, he he left drugs and went to homicide. Okay, yes, that's what it was. My bad. Anyway. Yeah. Um, he still... Because Danny Glover knows who he is. He has heard the rumors of this guy in drugs or in the drugs section who is fucking psychotic right yeah so you know mel gibson has this thing where he's just like uh it's one of two things either uh i'm suicidal and nobody wants to work with me so i'm fucked or uh i'm just trying to get psych pension and nobody wants to work with me so i'm fucked uh so that's kind of where we are that's kind of where danny is Um, now we meet up with the drug lords who are having a cool party with a 1980s punk band playing in their club. And, uh, we have a couple, uh, drug dealers come in and they're talking to the kingpin and he has hired mercenaries as bodyguards? People just to make sure everything goes smoothly, I guess. And one of them is Gary Busey. So you know it's about to get wild. This might be the craziest cast in any movie. Have we watched another movie? I feel like we've talked about Gary Busey on this podcast before. He was in uh, the Rookie. Rookie of the Year. Yes, he was. He was in Rookie of the Year. Yes, he was. Yeah, that was post-car crash. (laughs) Yeah, this is pre-car crash Gary Busey, uh, pre-motorcycle accident Gary Busey. So he's on his shit. I have to say, Gary Busey is my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, he is buck wild. So that's just kind of getting us introduced to the villains. Now we move on and uh, Danny uh, goes and visits. His name in the movie is Roger, by the way. I know what his name is. I'm just never going to say it. So he goes and visits uh, his old buddy uh, that uh, he was in Vietnam with, the father of the jumper. Han Sacker. Yes. He tells him the daughter had been poisoned. Before she jumped, so she would have died no matter what, and now it becomes a homicide rather than a suicide. And uh, and then Mike is just like... I want you to kill those fuckers. You owe me from Vietnam. I saved your ass back in the jungle. Now go kill everybody. And he's like yelling this in like his used car dealership or whatever the fuck. And he's just like, hey, there's just somebody trying to check out a new Ford Bronco. Why don't you settle down? They're trying to get the all new Ford Bronco. This car that will last forever. Right. Will, nothing bad will ever happen to it. If you ever need to go 30 miles an hour down the highway, this is the car to do it in. Uh, it comes with a fake mustache in the de- in the glove depart- compartment. Now we go ahead and uh, there's a, a, a jumper on a rooftop, unrelated to the other jumper. They're just kind of there and uh, yeah a lot of danny, people jumping in this movie yeah what lo- is this house of pain <laughs> yeah everyone's jumping around <laughs> uh, so uh no mel gibson and danny glover they pull up on the scene and mel gibson is just like don't worry i'm a professional on this shit and he goes up and he's just like he's trying to talk the guy down he's just like hey you know i gotta leave you I'm, i just want to talk and this man is so over the fucking top like he just comes up there he's just like get the fuck away from me <laughs> who are you don't touch me i didn't do anything wrong i'm gonna jump and As, he's just like bro in mel gibson's defense he's he he steps so the big thing is he steps over the ledge like you're not supposed to do that when there's a jumper because they might like pull you down with right height. but mel gibson is just like hey man listen i i'm there with you i know exactly what you're going through i I was shocked he didn't just flat out say I too am suicidal and hey, have let's suicidal do this, thoughts. You know, <laughs> suicide pack, you know? Me and you, man. <laughs> well, it's like yeah, but I can't go now. Like I still, I, I, I clocked in. I got clock back out. We right. Like I thought, su- I thought he was gonna like use like his emotional knowledge of being suicidal right, yeah, to I- be like, hey, listen. And, you know, I don't know anything about negotiations, life negotiations, but, you know, he's, like, cracking jokes. He's just like, hey, you know, my boss is down there, so I gotta make it look like I'm trying to save you. He's like, here's a cigarette. You want a light? Yeah, you want a cigarette? And uh, uh, when he goes to take the light out of his hand, Mel Gibson handcuffs him to the jumper, or handcuffs himself to the jumper. And he's just like, well, you're gonna jump now? Because if you do, you're a cop killer, and uh that's that's a real good point um and then mel gibson jumps (laughs) yeah yeah it's a ballsy move where he's like all right don't jump because if you do uh you're gonna be labeled as a cop killer and you're a murderer now right uh and the dude's like what the fuck fine let's go he's like, all right, we're going. And yeah, he jumps. Right. Yeah. So Mel Gibson jumps and they put the crash pad down without him noticing somehow. <laughs> they land in uh, one of the stuntman crash pads. I think that's funny because it's like, a. it's the entire time they're talking that you don't hear the sound of seven fucking air blowers. Right. <laughs> There's one guy with a bicycle pump. And he's just like, Hey man, you want a cigarette? You just hear. <sniffs> Doug, we don't have time for these long pumps. You got to really. Yeah, come on, dude. (laughs) Somebody get in there with a hairdryer. So (laughs) he jumps, they land in the pad. Everybody's fine. And then Danny Glover kind of freaks out on him. And he's just like, hey, he lived. What are you mad about? And Danny Glover's just like, you're nuts. You're not actually suicidal. Loses it. Gives. Gives him a gun and says, if you're suicidal, kill yourself. And he's just like, okay. And he puts it under his chin. And, like, you see the trigger start to pull and the hammer cocks back on the gun. And then Daniel's like, oh, fuck, he's going to do it. And he grabs the gun away from him. And he's just like, oh, you're not trying to get psych pension. You're actually fucking nuts. So after this happens, um, they are looking for the, uh, the dealers that, uh, gave the drugs to the, uh, the jumper, uh, Dixie. Her name's Dixie, right? The jumper is Amanda, and the, the prostitute is Dixie. Yes, the one that approaches the cop and says, I saw everything. Yeah, her name's Dixie. Yeah. Um, so, now we show up at the drug dealer's house, and Danny's just like, hey, don't, don't kill her, Uh, don't kill this guy, we need to take him in alive, he's like, cool, Um, so they go in without any problems, and like, literally, somebody's coming out when they're going in, It's just like, yeah, go ahead, make yourself at home, so they go inside, and uh, they walk up, and immediately, man pulls a shotgun on him, Danny Glover shoots him in the leg, uh, and uh, they go arrest him. Uh, Mel Gibson uh, puts handcuffs on the two ladies that are also there, and then uh, and then uh, Danny Glover is like, "See, we didn't have to kill anybody." And then the guy on the ground pulls a gun out, and Mel Gibson shoots him, and he f- falls into the pool onto a tarp and he yep. drowns in it. Yeah, real uh, another real intense scene. So I think that's try- them trying to be like, see they were both right. right. <laughs> so now uh, the rest of the department shows up and they're kind of taking stock of the situation and they're wearing the drug dealer's clothes because theirs got all wet when they tried to save that man from drowning. And Danny Lover's in a fucking suit and sweatpants. Yeah. I thought that was really <laughs> funny. You know, Danny Glover is just like, hey, you saved my life back there and i'm getting too old for this shit so thanks now they're kind of like i see you you see me we're good pals buddy buddy cop movie from here on out uh mel gibson goes with danny glover and meets his family and goes inside the house and um dang glover's daughter has uh has the hots for mel gibson which is really fucking weird because he's at least 30 and she is 18 years old <laughs> yeah yeah Mel Gibson at this point in in his actual life, he was born in 1956, so okay, so that would have been 31. 31. Okay. Oh, he's the same. He, I think, yeah, because that's the same age as his uh dead wife. Yes, in the I think movie. they just use this real IRL age. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's still a 31-year-old and an 18-year-old. And also the daughter of your uh, Uh, partner. And soon to be the father of your partner. (laughs) Get it? Okay. Um... So, yeah, that's gross, and then uh, they go out back, and they're, like, working on Danny's boat, and they have a little bit of buddy party time. Uh, not really party time, but they're bonding and whatever. Danny Glover likes to keep beers inside of his boat for some reason. Everyone just had a beer in <laughs> yeah. the 80s. It doesn't matter For a second, I thought he pulled it out of the engine, and I was just like, why there? Why? What, what's the point of that? Why is there a beer in your engine? Yeah, he just replaced the pistons with beer cans. <laughs> Danny Glover Glover's daughter comes out and is like, "Hey, assholes, I want to go to a." Po-. She says something about being assholes or something. Oh no, he he. Uh, Danny Glover calls Mel Gibson an asshole, and she's like, "Hate to interrupt this intellectual conversation." Oh uh, right, right. I thought she uh, was the one who said assholes. No, no. Yeah. So anyway, uh, she's just like, "I want to go to this party with this dude," and he and uh, Danny Glover goes. Uh oh you mean the guy with the caverns in his face and she's like oh they're called dimples he's like no 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 i can see his bones so anyway um danny goes back inside and there's a couple packages on the kitchen table uh he opens them up uh there is a vhs tape and there is a uh yearbook um from the yearbook we find he finds the uh the jumper and this is when we learn that she has a sister there's another one alive so they're still in danger i guess is the implication but it never really comes no back there was no point up. for this scene i was so confused by this like conclusion to this kind of scene group of scenes cuz i was like why are we doing this i didn't this? know what came of this scene like it was literally they got the yearbook and then the vhs was like a nudie film that this girl had shot with like all with a bunch of other girls that were like in the same apartment uh it because it said amanda and her amanda and friends the thing is is it doesn't come up later and it none of this matters in the next 20 minutes of the right yeah yeah and honestly for the rest of the film it doesn't matter um so anyway uh There is literally one scene where it matters. One more scene where it matters. And that's at the country club or the funeral or whatever the fuck is going on. Yes, both. Both of those things. It is a funeral at a country club. And also there's eggnog there. Yeah, why is there eggnog? Now's not the time to be in the holiday fucking spirits. (laughs) They figured out that it's not why. I think it's why would Amanda be the important one here? Oh, wait. She's not so the next scene they go and visit the prostitute that talked to the police earlier because the logic behind it is what if Dixie's the one who was in the apartment poisoning Amanda so she went downstairs and was like I saw it all happen that was like their logic she uh, posed herself as a witness rather than a perpetrator right Yes. um so they they're going to visit her and uh, outside is six-year-old N.W.A. Uh, there's Ice Cube and Easy uh, E and Dr. Dre and R.E.M. They're all there. <laughs> so they go to go inside the house, and right as they're walking up to it, it blows up in a great and, explosion. Um, they both kind of just stand up and walk away. And I was just like, I kind of expected them to be like, I can't fucking hear anything. Because that's what really will happen. So after this, they're talking to uh, the kids. And they're trying to get information. And they're being little assholes, as you can imagine. And uh, they're asking about a guy who came by earlier. And one of the kids is like, he was painted. And they're like, like a tattoo? And he's like, yeah, he had a tattoo. It looked just like that one. And he points to Mel Gibson. And he's just like... This is a special forces tattoo. That man was in the special forces. We must have been in Vietnam together as mercenaries, or whatever the fuck. Everybody, ever, like I said once again, everybody in this movie is related to everyone through Vietnam. Right. Everybody's been in Vietnam. Now they go back and talk to uh, Mike, uh, the father of the jumper. They need to know everything that's going on. Like, there's some reason. There's some reason that you're involved. Why would they go after your daughter right. specifically? And, uh, it turned out that, uh, uh, he's using his bank connections as, like, a front for the heroin money. Hansocker is, like, my shit's a front for the heroin trade, and I launder their money through the bank. Uh, my daughter was going to talk to somebody, or had talked to somebody about this. And they were like, well, can't have that happen, so they offed her. And he was like, and they'll kill me if I say anything and they'll kill my daughter, my other daughter, if I say anything. And immediately in the next five seconds of this scene, this man gets a bullet to the fucking chest. Yeah, and then he spills eggnog all over cause there's eggnog at this funeral. It's a real funeral foul. Not just eggnog. Party Nog, it's Party Nog. It says Party (laughs) Nog right on the container. This is Nog specifically for a party. It doesn't open unless there's five or more people in the room. Uh, So anyway, Gary Busey was in the helicopter and uh, they shot the man from the helicopter. Uh, Mel Gibson's trying to take him down with a nine millimeter radium working out. After the funeral, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, they're walking down the street and uh, Gary Busey lets the people up top know that the cops now know everything because they talked to the man they just killed and uh so now they're like well now these cops need to die so they drive by shoot uh mel gibson blast him through through a window with a shotgun and he flies back and they drive off but he's wearing a bulletproof vest which means he doesn't want to die anymore which is nice um so uh they're like ah shit what do we do now they're gonna try to kill us and uh And uh, uh, Mel Gibson's like they're not going to try to kill me they think I'm already dead boom 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 I'm a corpse baby Uh, (laughs) so now they hop back in the car Danny Glover gets a call that somebody has died and he's just like I don't want to deal with this shit can you find somebody else and they're like well it happened two blocks from your house so we figured you'd want to know and uh, he's just like yeah it's probably that bitch that my daughter's trying to date and they're like how did you know that? he's just like, oh, no. So they they went back to the house. And um, they kidnapped Danny Glover's daughter and killed her boyfriend. And uh, they left a note uh, saying that uh, just saying that they have his daughter. And uh, then they call his house. And they say, uh, you know, if you want to see your daughter, I suggest you stay by this phone so we can tell you where to meet us. And then they call back and tell him where to meet him. And... Uh, uh, Mel Gibson's like I got your back buddy and they uh, go to the meeting place and Mel Gibson hides with a sniper rifle and then they do a little negotiation scene where it's just like I got your daughter now we do a trade her for you and uh, Danny Glover goes I don't think so motherfucker and pulls out a grenade and it's just like you kill me <laughs> I kill everybody and he, he, Gary Busey's like he's not going to kill his daughter and he's just like well If she's going to die, I'm going to be the one that kills her. If she's going to die anyway, whatever. If anyone's going to kill my daughter, it's going to be me. Uh, So they shoot (laughs) Danny Glover in the shoulder, and uh, he drops a grenade. turns out to be a smoke grenade. And then uh, Mel Gibson starts kicking ass, and he shoots like eight people. And then he gets snuck up on, and a guy puts a gun to his head and says, You're coming with me, buddy. And um, Danny Glover's daughter gets in a car, drives away. She gets chased by a helicopter. The helicopter pits the car, which if a helicopter was trying to take me out and driving right next to me, I'd just swerve into it, and they would probably lose control, and everyone would die. Yeah. But whatever. Play it off as there's a girl panicking in the driver's seat. She doesn't know what the fuck to do. I'll let it go. Right. Yeah. I was very impressed that this helicopter driver was able to uh, drive uh, perpendicular to the vehicle as it's moving and stay like right next to it so they can shoot into the car. On top of it, he's driving at the perfect speed of a 85 stretch limo. Right. So, I don't know. This is a good, they got the best pilot in the game. Um, But they end up catching everybody. Uh, they bring him back to the warehouse. They uh, they go to Mel Gibson first and they're like, we're going to torture you. And they pull out a car battery with a sponge on it. And uh, they start electrocuting him. And uh, he survives all the torture and doesn't give any information. And the torturer is just like, the guy that comes in to torture him, he's like, he must not know anything. There's no way that he would have made it through that torture and not said if he knew something. Right. They're like, well, just kill him. And uh, he goes back with the battery. He's just like, well, you're dead, buddy. And then uh, Mel Gibson says, I don't think so. And breaks his neck with his legs as he's tied up to a post. It's pretty cool. Um, Now we go to Danny Glover. And Danny Glover is tied to a chair. And they're, you know, punching him and rubbing salt in his wings. And he's not talking. So they bring his daughter out. He'll talk if we hurt her. So now they're all in the same room for plot's sake. Uh, Mel Gibson bursts through the door and kills everybody and said, we're out of here, baby. And they chase Gary Busey. They come up from the warehouse, which is on top of the nightclub. And they're going through and shooting people, reckless abandon. They're shooting machine guns into crowds of people. Not them, the mercenaries. Uh, They go outside. They're chasing Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Hops in a car, drives away. Mel Gibson shoots up said car, and it catches on fire. But that's not really a big deal, cause Gary Busey just steals a dude's Audi and drives Gary away. Gary Busey is essentially the Terminator of this film. Right? Yeah. There. He doesn't die until he needs to die, and then he dies very fast. Um. So now, while this is all happening, Danny Glover found a like ran by a cop. And flags him down and just tells him the situation. He's like, "Take care of her. I'm taking your car because I got to get back home. They know where I live, um, right?" So he drives back home, and uh, right when he gets there, uh, Gary Busey is just getting inside of his house and they take a police officer's nightstick and jam it into the gas pedal and have it ram through the wall of his own house which is a bold move (laughs) here's the thing you don't even know that he's in the living room right he could have been he could have been in the garage (laughs) he could (laughs) have been upstairs it was a real fucking lucky shot right yeah there's a very small chance of success and you manage to hit it well anyway uh now Gary Busey's looking for the two guys and Mel Gibson puts a gun to his head he's like we got you baby and then uh they're just like gentleman's duel and he's like yeah gentlemen's duel and they put down their guns and they start just boxing start karateing each other and all the other police show up and Danny's just like let them go nobody touch him and everyone's just like (laughs) fight 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 it's real schoolyard shit i was gonna say it's the most schoolyard bullshit i've ever seen in a movie right i kept waiting for the principal to pop in and be like what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) scatter (laughs) so i just thought it was nuts that like at one point mel gibson does get beat up pretty good in this fight and ever and danny glover's just like no no don't help him don't help him and it's like why Uh, why though uh, maybe help me maybe help me i was just waiting for that moment where he's just like uh no help me help me help me right so at one point gary Busey has like this big steel pipe and he's swinging it at mel gibson i'm like what if he gets one lucky shot in and just cracks him in the side of the head and he dies. And you just watched him die because you didn't want to help. Right, exactly. They throw him a nightstick. He's beating everybody up. They He wins. Puts him in a chokehold. Chokes him out and then he decides not to kill him at the very last second. They put him in handcuffs. They're like, you're going to the pokey. And uh, they, they start to move him away. And then Gary Busey steals the cop's gun and brings it up and both Danny Glover and and Mel Gibson shoot him, because they needed right. to justify killing him at the end of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 about it. We get that's a little it. epilogue We scene get to of, Christmas. Yeah. We get to Christmas. We get to, yeah. Uh, Danny Glover uh, asks Mel Gibson to come in and eat his wife's terrible turkey. That's not a euphemism. He's not like a cuck or anything. Um, <laughs> but, uh... uh He's like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. And then he gives Danny Glover the bullet he was going to kill himself with as a Christmas present, which is kind of fucked up. But uh, yeah, a little bit. It's a nice gesture in context of like, hey, I'm not going to kill myself anymore. You've given me a reason to live. Right. So now they're chilling. Also, his and... daughter is st- his daughter is still giving Mel Gibson the eye from time to time. Right, yeah, so you can totally tell that in the next movie they are probably going to get together. They do. They do. It's weird. They do? Do they? I. Yes, they do. And I'm not sure if it's the next one, but definitely in later Lethal Weapons, uh, Danny Glover finds out that Mel Gibson is poking his daughter. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun, right? That's- Isn't that a fun, like, buddy cop situation? That's a hard... Hmm, for me, yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. Well, that's lethal weapon, Charlie, and fucking lethal <laughs> that weapon was. Anywho, oh yeah, oh, what was the title about? Is was that like because there's a part where like he knows kung fu and tai chi Mel, and bullshit? The thing is, is Mel Gibson is the perfect killer, therefore he is a lethal weapon. I feel like there's so much in this movie where they're just like oh shit we didn't talk about this we need to fill it in and it's just like oh we never like Mel Gibson never actually showed that he is a master of karate so we need the last scene to be him doing that right exactly rather than just arrest Gary Busey and you know end the movie there we need to show that he knows karate because we fucking forgot to film it Right, That's exactly what happened, but yeah, I don't know. I think the movie I think the fine. literal title of the Lethal Weapon is the fact that he doesn't care if he lives or dies, making him a lethal weapon. By sure, b- okay, by that he will do he'll do literally anything. It doesn't matter if he dies or or not. I think yeah. that's the meaning of it. But the real in context meaning is Mel Gibson is a lethal weapon because he was a special forces like Green Beret dude in Nam and he can fucking kill people with his bare hand. Yeah, it's so weird. They make it full part of his character, and it shows up, like, all this shit shows up for, like, three-minute scenes, and that's it. Yeah, there's, I think, Mel Gibson only does one, like, lethal weapon-esque kind of thing, which is the scene where he's getting tortured. He, like, kicks up over a guy's shoulders and cracks his neck with his thighs yeah that's about it but like i feel like some fitness model in the 80s could have done that too yeah i feel like i feel like me with a good enough swing could do that yeah i mean get one of those greg lorraine total gyms jack lorraine yeah total gyms (laughs) you're gonna be good whatever uh uh chuck norris used to do the commercials for go do some p90x for like not even the full 90 days, just like the 30 days out of it. One month of p 90 Yeah, I gotta tell you, I did P90X for a solid two weeks. And I gotta tell you, I think I had a six pack of those two weeks. Uh, it was, it was, it's rough. I'll, like, uh, if you try it, it beats you up. <laughs> so Samurai Cop is uh, the other movie that we watched tonight. <laughs> I fucking love Robert Zadar. We, we kind of shat on this movie a little bit earlier in the episode, because, like, you have to be in a certain mood to watch bad B-movies. It's the same thing I'll... Well, the Room excluding. But it's the same thing I'll say as, like, Birdemic or Deadly Prey, even though we have found that you can't be in any mood to watch <laughs> Deadly Prey. <Right>. Asleep's uh, <laughs> a good one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so, basically... You have to be in a certain mood. I will still say I love this movie for the fucking humor of it all. Because every single scene has me rolling laughing. Yeah, it's violently bad. Like, aggressively bad. It's violent. <laughs> it is aggressively bad is the perfect way to put it. Um, so we open uh with a Japanese gang and then one white guy and one ginger lady who somehow found their way into this Japanese gang and stick out like a sore thumb. In Robert Zadar's case, in Robert Zadar's case, he literally sticks out like a thumb. Yeah, because his he, he looks like Stan he, from American Mike, Dad with a beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you see pictures... Google what Robert Zadar looks like. If you just Google what Robert Zadar looks like, you'll get what we're saying. Is he supposed to... I, I feel like they were trying to make him Japanese in this movie. I guess. I don't know. All I know is that he's fucking not. Right. He was... I think he was... I felt like he was trying to do a John Wayne playing Genghis Khan type thing. (laughs) <laughs> he just squinted the whole movie basically robert zdar is talking about shit that culturally he has no part of being in that culture um so he's like we're going to go uh fukiyama fushiyama fujiyama. fujiyama i i said literally everything else but it it's okay uh fujiyama who's the leader of the gang is like uh, go kill the Chinese guys, because I don't want, I, I want them to be afraid of me, or uh, join or die. I want them to join or die. hmm And so, the Chinese men choose death, and Robert Zadar just starts stabbing people. He's just stabbing people. Cut to, we've got, a Joe... Nameth. Mullet guy. Uh, we got Joe. Joe's got a and mullet, and we got his partner, Frank, who is black, And that's going to be a joke through the entire film. Yeah, it's his entire character. Yeah. So Joe and Frank are on a drug bust. Uh, And Joe knows a lot about Japanese culture. He is the samurai cop, the titular samurai (laughs) cop. My my fucking favorite line in this scene. This, not this scene. It's a different scene. But in this movie, if they're like, I guess the gang is called the Katana Gang. And somebody goes, what does Katana they, mean? And he goes, it means Japanese sword. I'm like, no, it fucking doesn't. No, <laughs> it doesn't. Speaks fluent Japanese, though, I guess. Yeah, Never uses so, it. Never uses that. <laughs> they talk about... When they're describing, when the gang leader is describing Joe, he's like, and he also speaks perfect Japanese. I'm going to try to avoid doing offensive, uh, stereotypical voices. Just talk through your teeth. Everybody who's bad talks through their teeth through this movie. Yeah, he's like, he knows how to do uh, Japanese. He speaks Japanese and uh, is a martial artist, black belt. And every single fucking time they mention Joe, it's like he is the best of the best can do no wrong he knows Japanese he sleeps with the ladies and he's, he's got a, a, he's aggressively American too <laughs> yeah, he's aggressively American he has an entire speech about how American he is and we'll get there right, he has a lot uh, of thoughts on immigration <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, Matt Hannon, you'll never hear this. I love you as a person. I've seen interviews with you. You seem like a really nice guy. If you get the chance, please come on our show. That would be awesome. That would I be can't dope. imagine you're that up means- to that much. You can't be that busy, right? <laughs> He's, I mean, he lives in LA. He's still living in LA. He has a daughter. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, sure the the In-N-Out burger gets pretty busy. <laughs> Don't don't do that. He's he, he's a real. I've seen interviews with him. He's a really nice I'm, guy. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm strictly t- talking about his film career. I'm <laughs> sure he's a terrific man. I'm sure he also recognizes that he has not had a film career. <laughs> yeah, he knows this was a bad movie. It's like, yeah. He's not yeah. he's not kidding himself. He's he seems hey, smart enough. He got to fucking do Samurai Cop Two. So you know what? He has been in two movies. That is more than me. Uh, no, but Matt Hannon, please come on our podcast. I would just love to talk to you about Amir Shavon for, or Amir Shavon for, like, an hour. I think that would be awesome. That'd be fun. Uh, so, so anywho, uh, and so Matt and Frank, no, sorry, not Matt. Joe and Frank are just like, hey. Joey's <laughs> never coming on the show. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and Frank are talking in... You find out that, like, Joe just got flown in from San Diego over the last week to, like, solve this drug case uh, that the Japanese gang's been involved in, and it's because he knows them, and he knows how to defeat them. Him and Frank are going on this huge drug bust where they follow a van, and there's also a helicopter involved that isn't flying. This helicopter is just stationary the entire time and filmed as if it were flying. Right. They put a few fans in, blew some hair around. That was about it. Yeah. Uh, and in that and in, in that flying helicopter is Peggy, our third hot cop cuz we just every cop is either hot or a crotchety old man. Yes, and it's important to note that this woman exists solely so that there's always an excuse to have hot girl in scene yeah uh and also that we know that again joe is the most american man that's ever existed because he's on the walkie talkie for all of two minutes they are in the middle of one of the most important drug so important that this is the entire reason that joe is in town right and they are fucking back and forth in it like nobody's business joe is just like Hey, you, uh, she's like, you just keep you just keep it up, Joe. And he's like, oh, it's always up. You just keep it warm. And she's like, it's warm and ready. And it's like, all right. And the guy sitting next to her is just like, can you, can you not? Like, I, this is sexual harassment to me at this point. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> yeah, the guy sitting next to her is like, you're on an open communication line. Anyone who, anyone on this channel can fucking hear you anybody with a decent walkie-talkie can hear us right now um so joe is like follow that van peggy uh and then i'm gonna peggy you later and he uh (laughs) (laughs) you keep up with that van and i'll let you peg me (laughs) uh so he's they're they're quote-unquote flying through the city following this van and they right. follow it to a dock where these guys get on a boat uh, and they take money and give drugs to the van guys, I think. Yes. yep. Okay, and I love that this boat on the side of it just says, like, L.A. Harbor Rentals. <laughs> like, it's clearly <laughs> not, like, anybody else's boat. So the van starts driving away and Joe is like, I'm going to, w- they're going to have to cross through here because this is the only way out. So he gets out of the car to see the that to like eye the van, but it's like if you know it's gonna drive through here, why would you leave your vehicle? I just there's so many choices that are made in this movie, and none of them are the correct one. They pull out as the van drives by, and Joe cuts them off, and he starts a shooting at them. And he's in right. the worst fucking wig that I've ever seen in my oh, goddamn yes. life. This wig might as well be a character. We should talk about the wig for a second because I saw interviews with Matt Hannon where he was like, this movie was supposed to be done three weeks and then nothing else and I would move on with my life. But Amir just kept changing things and changing things and reshooting six months later when i thought the movie was done after already working on it for two months i was like okay i'm getting a fucking haircut i can't wear my hair like this anymore and so amir calls him up after six months and is like we're gonna need you for some more reshoots and he's just like what (laughs) and they just got him a wig right it is definitely a women's wig yeah, it's cl- and it's clearly a wig. In no situation does it not look like a wig. Yeah, because he has to wear a hat with it, is the thing. Any scene that he's wearing yeah, exactly. a hat, it's gotta be, it's the wig. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Why well, is he wearing a hat during this fist fight with Robert Zadar? Uh, right. I, there's, like, scenes where he's, like, holding the hat on. Like, it's definitely to hold the wig in place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so they go into this huge van chase, and, um... The main thing that Joe needs Frank to do is to shoot! Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him! So so much so (laughs) much (laughs) so! So much so that he says it the exact same way four times in this chase. He goes, Shoot! Shoot him! And that happens that same soundbite happens four times in the same chase. And then he says, Go faster! Yeah, Go faster! Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, I'm going. I don't. What do you want? I'm hitting the gas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Joe is driving the car. Frank shoots a guy out of the back of the van. They run him over unspectacularly. Uh, yeah. In the most, like, let down of a way that someone could be run over in a movie. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, lay behind this vehicle. When I say action, the vehicle's gonna drive away, turn towards the vehicle, so it looks like you got hit. That, that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, very much it could have just been mannequin going under the wheels, and I would have been cool with that. It could have just been a shot inside the car where you see them bump, and then they keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could have just been the one shot, and we, in our mind's eye, could have made up the rest. Matt Hannon and Frank are driving through the streets of L.A. Frank gets, like, another guy, like, shoots another guy and kills him, and they lead the van into a fiery wreck of a crash. Right, at about eight miles an hour. <laughs> Going eight miles an hour. And then they just flat out lit an actor on fire. Yeah, they had a stunt man. They lit him on fire. And uh, they went to put him out with a blanket. And he looked up at the camera like, did we get it? And then they called cut. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very funny that rather than have professional stunt people there to put out this stunt man, uh, Matt Hannon and guy who plays frank i don't know i don't remember his name um guy who plays frank run in and uh they fucking put out this stunt actor themselves Is like all right he's out and cut and cut there's a lot of times where it's just like they should have just stopped this like there's there's many yeah. scenes where it's we'll like get there. they they should have cut about five seconds ago yeah, we'll get to the one that always sticks in my mind. Fujiyama is like, I want that man who was just on fire, I want his head on my fucking piano. Because uh, none of you are real Samaru. Uh, do you know what it even means to be a samurai? Because no one else in this movie does. Uh, go to the hospital, get me his head, put it on my piano so all my enemies know that you will never talk if you're in the Katana gang. Hey, Charlie, what does Katana mean? Uh, it's, uh, Japanese sword. Okay, thanks. Oh, real quick, do you want the name of, uh, of his partners, yes. actor? It, Yeah, actor? Yeah, because um, uh, I love this I actor. Mark Frazier. Mark Frazier, yes but it is. But there's no pictures for anybody. It is Mark Frazier, because I remember Matt Hannon right. saying in an interview one time, Mark was a really great guy to work with, and we just kept laughing with each other. Yeah, he, he's the only, uh, well, he's the top credited male other than Robert Zadar. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, and also Robert Zadar was supposed to be Japanese. His name is Yamashita. Oh. Yeah. Why why pick Robert Zadar then? It's a good question. It's a good question, Charlie, and I don't have an answer. Uh, so, anywho, Robert Zadar is like, I'm going to go get this man's fucking head. And Matt Hannon and Mark Fraser are like, we're going to go and make sure this man doesn't lose his fucking head. And one of them wins. Right. We won't tell you who, but the movie kept going after this scene, so I think you can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're at the hospital now, and they're, like, talking to the nurse, uh, and Joe is like, will he Will he be able to talk? And the nurse is like, his lips are burnt. Give him a couple weeks. Also, how big is your penis? And he, and he says, very big. Yeah, and she says, so, are you sure? And he says, the yep. scene, The scene from this movie that is, like, the most famous one, is the nurse scene uh it's the scene that like every like that was the clip that blew up on youtube that made everybody go oh samurai cops a movie yeah yep <laughs> uh and it's and the, it i can't i would love i would love for me and mike to sit here and do the dialogue back and forth verbatim how it is but it is the longest fucking conversation about matt hannon's wang and and I'm not that, I, I don't want to do that right now. Right, there's questions of whether or not he's circumcised. He is, in case you are wondering. Um, yeah, and she says, and she goes, well, they must have cut a lot off. And he goes, no, he was a good doctor. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> knew my baby penis was going to be huge. <laughs> to give you an insight into how the conversation goes, it's essentially, do you like what you see? I like what I see. Would you like to touch what you see in this exact cadence in that exact tone in fact i would say i did a little too much acting for that Uh, (laughs) yeah charlie bring it down a little bit so uh they're clearly doing all this in front of uh someone's dental office which that doesn't belong in a hospital yes uh, those usually are not the same place (laughs) they leave and they're like hey fritz night guard watch uh watch this man no one goes in except for nurses or doctors. And Fritz is like, okay, and then immediately goes and chats up a secretary and is not paying attention to the room at all. Yeah, yeah, he does nothing. He is not important. And uh I love the I love the the intro how they sneak into the room. They do the old man under the under the blanket on the laundry cart trick with a six foot five, two hundred and seventy pounds uh amir zadar with this 260 pound six foot five chin uh yeah so he sneaks in oh by the way robert zadar i said amir zadar he Amir the uh, director i fucked that up whatever yeah we'll Uh, keep going it's fine (laughs) so yeah robert zadar sneaks in in the most three stooges-esque way and uh slices the head off of this guy and they sneak back out um and Fritz walks in and is like, oh, fuck. Oh, damn it. I had one job. Ow, I'm going to get fired. Back in the police station, Joe and Peggy are flirting again. He's like, I'm going to dick you down. And she's like, bet. Yeah, coolio. <laughs> see you later. And, um,. And Enter the best actor of this whole movie, Yeah, the someone chief. W- someone walks in and is like, hey, the police chief wants to see you. And they're like, okay. They go to his office and best actor in the movie. I love this scene. Genuinely could have done other things. Like he was pretty decent. In the other Amir Shivan movie, uh, the police chief is played by none other than Cameron Mitchell. Ooh. Yeah, it's a fun, and it's Cameron Mitchell doing his best. Uh, okay. But in this scene, we have a good actor. <laughs> it's a real contrast. You can see how bad these people really are when there's a decent actor on screen. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, why the fuck did I even bring you up from San Diego? And uh, he's Matt talking Hannon's to the like, actors at this point. He's like, they forgot that the camera was rolling. He's just like, what the fuck are you doing in my office? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, and Matt Hand's like, fine, I'll leave. Tell Amir to send my fucking paycheck to my apartment. Uh, And uh, Frank is like, listen, we'll go, we'll shake him up a little bit. We'll, you know, we'll let Samurai do his thing and we'll do this. And it's the first and only time I've ever heard anyone refer to him as Samurai. Right. They're not like, I hear they got this white Samurai. Otherwise i would be calling out tom cruise for stealing it yeah 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 the last samurai um the police chief is like uh the way you guys are just like leaving bodies behind it feels like there's a club up my ass and it hurts (laughs) and he sits he sits down and frank's like one week chief and chief is like all right but i expect results uh, Well, that's the thing. He's just like, I've been here a week. I'm not going to take down an entire gang. And the chief's just like, well, how long is it going to take? And he's like, more than a week. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, a week, a month, a year. Uh, It's like, bro, why haven't you done it yet then? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that scene essentially ends, but not before uh, uh, Frank does a little sneaky Silly prank on the co- uh, the chief where he kisses him on the forehead and is like, I love you and runs out Right, and the chief is like and then get back here. You <laughs> son of a bitch All right, so this is like the he's just like you son of a all right This is the cadence of it. We gotta leave the silence as it is. It is you son of a bitch Ha 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 cut <laughs> Yeah, I think, literally, I think what happened is this man was like, is he going to call cut? Is he going to call cut? I'm going to sit back down. Is he going to call cut? I'm going to rest my hands behind my head. Is he going to call cut? Ha 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 ha. Is he going to call cut? I'm going to fall. I'm going to pretend to fall asleep. I'm going to pretend to fall asleep, and he'll have to cut. Right. (laughs) If I just... They're not going to put three hours of me sleeping on screen, but, like, I... (laughs) Anything after the... Anything after his speaking line must have been improv of him just being so uncomfortable that they haven't called cut yet. So, hold on. My summer editing project I said was going to be I completely recreate the dialogue from the room. Line for line, right? I will also make a second editing goal... A second goal summer editing project of I will cut Samurai Cop into a good movie. Okay, good luck. There's things there. I think I can do it. We'll see. But I think I can do it. Yeah, Samurai Cop is a room full of props where it's just like, there are action things in here. Yeah, I feel like I I just have to... The first thing is cutting out all the fucking pauses in this movie. So they're like, okay, we're gonna go and we're gonna just, like, get under Fujiyama's skin. We're gonna fuck with him. And they go to this this chinese food place japanese steakhouse restaurant i I guess it's gonna be japanese because they're a japanese gang i don't know maybe they're meeting the chinese i don't know i don't know nothing's really clear in this movie yeah it doesn't and guess what it doesn't matter uh but we cut there and fujiyama's hanging out he's got his arm around this like around this lady and he's like i got you this present and she's like i don't want this and he's like Well, I got it, so you're gonna have to keep it. And you're gonna have to call it a present from me. And she's like, okay, whatever. Uh, And Joe shows up and he's like, hey, you son of bitches. (laughs) You son of bitches. Several bitches to be exact. He gives this impassioned dialogue where he's like, I'm I'm okay with hard-working Japanese citizens moving into this country and adding to the culture of America. I'm not okay with you dirtbags, you scum bucket dickwads, being horrible, horrible people and ruining the sanctity of Japanese American culture. With your tiny feet in Godzilla. <laughs> 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 yeah, and he's like, uh, that is the American way, and I will put you in jail. And the lawyer who's like there and is like, you really can't be saying these things to these people. They're my clients and I will I, I'm I'm gonna go and see your police chief. And Franco's. Yeah, well, there's still a couple hours in the workday, why don't you head over to the court now? They're not even giving an inch. Right, yeah, this is the scene where I said, can we get Joe a coffee or something? He is asleep. Like, like, his eyes are half closed. He's just like reading the paper. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, listen here, you son of bitches. Uh, And in an interview with Matt Hannon, in that interview I saw, they asked him, like, hey, what's the whole son of bitches things about thing about? He's like, I tried to say sons of bitches, but Amir told me to not improvise. Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> Stick to the script. The script is good. Is it? <laughs> so they do this back and forth, and Joe is like, hey, baby, if you want to fuck a real man, I'll call you. Right, yeah. He's just the horniest cop. It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, this movie should have been called Horny Cop. Yeah. Horny Samurai. (laughs) If it weren't going to dictate the fact that we'd essentially be making a porno... Can we write horny cop? Yeah, we'll make a horny cop, and everyone will be like, I see where this is going. But he never has sex in this whole movie. (laughs) Horny. He just, like, really wants to. Horny incel cop. (laughs) Right. But he actually is very good at his job, and he busts a lot of criminals, and he busts a lot of nuts. Yeah, yeah. He has moderate sex with one woman and is faithful the entire time. Right. He has a wife who he's been married to for 14 years. <laughs> they have a great relationship and they understand each other. And they have uh, no children. They have works. no children because they practice safe sex. And they also have a bison friche or a bison sex. Nice. Yeah. And they rent they rent an RV every summer to go see a new national monument. <laughs> Party cop coming to the But also bone in it. <laughs> yeah, there is boning. There's still boning. But it's not like too much. It's tasteful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cutaways to curtains. Joe is like, hey, babe, if you want, you can fuck a real man later. I'll call you. And he, she's like, they, I like, don't know you, buddy. <laughs> and they leave. But not before talking to Gay Waiter. Right. Don't know what his function in this movie is. I... Here's the thing, Mike. He was also, this same man was also in Hollywood Cop. Sure. As gay bartender. Nice. He got a promotion. Great. <laughs> well, technically that came out first. So technically he got demoted to waiter oh, in this movie. It. Damn it. <laughs> things aren't going great. Things aren't going great for Gay Waiter right now. Sorry. Right. Um, He's doing his best. He's finding the joy in every day. Unoffensively, I'm referring to him as Gay Waiter because he is also this same flamboyant character in Hollywood Cop and in both movies he hits on lead actor with mullet Joe's like hey I'm not gonna have sex with you gay waiter but I am 100% going to ask you to tell me everything you know about your boss and also maybe help me sleep with her and gay waiters like all right I got you so they leave the restaurant and Robert Zdar has had enough he's like that's it I have had it I have had it with hearing about you you white ass samurai men Go get him! Let me introduce you to my cast of big boys and a bunch of big dudes just come out of the bushes. Everyone is at least 6'2 and everyone is at least 270 and they all run out and Joe just starts tearing fucking through them like they're paper. They get two arrests on them and Joe is like, oh, a guy whips out a katana at one point and Mark is, or... Yeah, well, Mark, but Frank is like, look out, Joe, I'm gonna shoot him. And Joe goes, don't shoot him, I got this. Frank is like, are you just about to bare-knuckle box this guy who has a katana? What are you doing? And he just flat-out shoots him anyways. And Joe's like, Yeah. yeah, thanks. And then grabs the katana, and a guy runs up with a gun. But Joe turns around quickly, and with psychotic murder in his eyes fucking cleaves this man's arm clean off in what is one of the best fucking shots in the movie where this man loses an arm and he's just like, "Ah!" Yeah, he's just super soaking his arm all over. Just a nub, just shooting blood. It's great. It's terrific. (laughs) So Joe is like, all right, let's arrest these guys and get them gone. And Robert Zadar is like, uh, no, 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 sweetie, and whips out a fucking Uzi and just starts clean-clocking his own guys with bullets. I don't think it's proper police procedure to walk into, like, a restaurant full of like, gang members and be like, we're coming for you," and then leave. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's definitely not proper police procedure to then immediately be fucking shot at by one of those guys who you just threatened and then not arrest him. The lawyer shows up at the police department, and he's telling—he's trying to tell the chief that he's gonna take him to court for libel. I guess uh, libel, uh, yeah, libel and slander for insulting. Yeah, he, yeah, he's just like—he's basically suing them for being mean. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and the chief is like, "Get the fuck out of my office." I don't, I don't even like my own employees. What makes you think that I'm going to be nice here? I wrote down the quote. um, The lawyer says, I'll see you in court. And the chief goes, you motherfucker. I'll see you in hell. I'm like, (laughs) holy shit. Damn. (laughs) Uh, So, and then Matt Hannon is like, all right, I'm a bit, I'm a bang a bitch real quick. And he goes and he goes back to the Japanese restaurant and is like, he goes to the owner, the lady owner, and is like, "Hey, baby, I remember I said I would. If you wanted to fuck, call me. I'm here. I can't not mention this scene, without mentioning a little bit of set decoration. That is it." Oh yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. How could you not? It's so in the frame. (laughs) The entire. He walks into the office and he's like hey, baby, I want to take you out. I want to know all you know about the Fujiyama guys, but in all reality, I am here to bone. And she's like, well, it cuts to her, and she's like, well, I'm going to be in church on Sunday, and it's my birthday. And next to her head is a giant stuffed crochet lion head that's like (laughs) literally, if it's a medium shot on her it's it's bigger than her head. It is bigger than, like, her yeah. upper body. It No joke takes up probably 30% of the shot. Yeah. And it's framed specifically so this thing is in frame. Somebody loved this. Somebody saw this at the thrift store and said, this is going to look perfect. Hey, Mike, you don't have to say somebody. We have a name. And it's Amir Shavon. <laughs> sure, of course. Of course it was. He was like, I love this lion. And I'm going to put it in frame. And... He's uh, Joe's like, I don't know how anyone could have a conversation with this thing in the fucking background. I'd be so distracted. I'd be like, anyway, so yeah, maybe would Friday work? What the fuck is up with this lion's head? I just want him to just be like, yeah, so if uh, you're not busy after... Hang on a second. He just walks up and, like, takes it down and sets it on the ground. Okay, are you free Sunday? (laughs) Yeah, I have to remove this thing from my line of sight because I will be asking so many more questions about that than what I came here to ask you, which is you want a pork I'm not hearing a goddamn thing. You just said to me, <laughs> I can't <laughs> stop looking at this lion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, so he gets past this giant fucking lion's head and we're talking about it so much because it really is disruptive to the scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Uh, much as it is disrupting this podcast, it disrupts the movie. Yeah, so he's like, all right, so how about Friday? And she's like, well, Friday's our busiest night. And he's like, well, how about Saturday? And she's like, well, I'm working. I'm covering the bar Saturday (laughs) Saturday. Uh, and he's like, okay, Sunday, Sunday, then let's pork on Sunday. And she's like, okay. (laughs) Hey, hey, Joe Marshall, let me, uh, let me give you a little lady tip that I learned early (laughs) on, probably freshman in high school. Um, if a girl tells you that she's busy three days in a row, she doesn't want to see you. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, I'm going to church and it's also my birthday on Sunday. And he's like, oh, it's your birthday. Let me take you out to dinner. Let me take you out to dinner for your birthday. And she's like. Fine. Okay, yeah, sure. I... I... No! She doesn't even say yes! He surprises her at the church! He just shows up! Oh, right! Yeah! Oh my god, I completely fucking forgot about that! I forgot that they don't make any actual arrangements! He... he runs... he leaves the place, and he's immediately shot at by this guy. And he's like, I'm gonna fucking chase you down and get you." And he chases him down and gets him, and he's like, I could break your wrist right now, or you could just tell me what I want to know. And he's like I can't. They'll kill me. And he's like I'll protect you. And he's like okay, fine. The the guy that you want is Gerald Akamura. I think that was literally the guy's name who played him. You want to go get Akamura. He's a bad guy. He's the he's like the second in, the third in command. Uh we're about to cut to a scene where he is in his tidy whities and he's making out with his wife girlfriend. Yeah, his lady friend. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like all these gang members are just assigned people to have sex with. Yeah, uh, and Samurai Cop and his gang of merry police officers are outside uh, Akamoor's house. a uh, condo, I should say. It's not really a house. It's more of a condo, like a set, like a first level condo, uh, and. They're like, all right, me and, he's like, me and Frank will take the back. Uh, Huggins and Peggy. Huggins is like this older crotchety man who's like, I don't care for you kids and your sex talk uh, throughout the whole movie. Right, yeah, he's supposed to be like the, the curmudgeon type guy, but it's literally because, like... Peggy tries to have sex with him, and he's just like, "No!" Yeah, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "He's like, I'm married. I'm not doing that." And that makes him like the crotchety old yeah. man. Yeah, she, because he's like, Samurai Cop goes, "We're gonna. Me and Frank will take the back. You guys guard the front." And they leave, and Peggy's just like, "Hey, hey, Huggins, let's fuck." And he's like, "No, Peggy, you fucking weirdo." And he just like walks away. Samurai Cop breaks in. And everything goes topsy-turvy. Uh, and Gerald Akamura is just running in his tidy whities throughout the house. And he runs into a field. Uh, and him and Samurai Cop, finally, we get into a situation where we get to see Samurai Cop fight with martial arts. Right. They both put down their guns and they have a gentleman's yep. duel. First gentleman's duel of the film. I don't think there's another we've already seen one uh no no we haven't uh later he will fight robert zadar yeah well he, i mean it. he fought the gang of dudes but like yeah they had guns in katanas yeah, yeah, yeah uh what does katana mean again do you remember oh uh, it's japanese for sword charlie oh okay okay cool i i gotta remember that um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i learned that on duolingo <laughs> <laughs> It's actually, it's like, it's like the first lesson in Japanese. You haven't been using Duolingo in a while. Is it because we told you that katana means Japanese sword? We're just seeing what level of bullshit you'll put up with. <laughs> Please come back, we're sorry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> We've been told that's insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> so, he kills Akamura. He's like, alright, I got him. I beat him. Uh, or Akamira Akamura like, kills himself. Yeah, he performs seppuku. Yeah, he performs seppuku because... And Frank is like, uh, stop him! Stop him! We need to keep him! (laughs) He's just like, no, it's the samurai way. It's just like, we're in fucking Los Angeles, buddy. (laughs) You have a mullet. (laughs) You have a mullet that clearly keeps changing into a wig. Hey, uh, Charlie, real quick, uh, Guess how many credits Geral uh, Akamura has. Oh, I really want it to be a really high number, but... Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, like, my regular guess. Like, my, what I assume is the correct thing to say is... I imagine he'd have, like, maybe 40 credits? 32! 32, 32 credits for this man, dating back to 1976 to 2019 hell yeah is he still alive please tell me he's still lying. um i think so oh no he had a uh, short film in 2021 okay so awesome jerry lacamore the man yeah the, then he's the man oh no i'm sorry actor 63 credits 32 were the other ones. so he has 95 credits holy shit <laughs> jesus christ gerald akamura is the man he's doing great like yeah. he's got he's a he's a successful actor i was, I was jokingly <laughs> gonna ask him to come on our podcast but i don't think we're good yeah, he's enough a for reach. him <laughs> <laughs> he's a hard reach this man taught bruce willis how to kick so he performs seppuku and uh mark is just like hey oh or frank doesn't matter uh <laughs> black guy is like hey stop that stop him <laughs> and uh so now robert zadar is having sex in a bed because he also has a lady who he sleeps he's sex lady nothing really happens in that scene except robert we have to see robert zadar have sex it's called plot charlie come on yeah it's called plot and not uh Some I- big old double d plot <laughs> yeah some big old we need to sell blockbuster rentals plot now samurai cop takes restaurant owner on a date no he full-on kidnaps her he comes up to her yeah at church uninvited and says uh hey i'm a cop i gotta ask you some questions come with me they get in the car and he drives her to his house that's kidnapping <laughs> i got some questions for you get in my car uh, I also have candy and free puppies. And also, your parents are really hurt. They need you to come with me to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they drive to his house, and he's, lo- and she's like... Which is the secondary location, to be fair. Her, her parents <laughs> did set up that that was to be the secondary location to meet them at if something ever happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> his house specifically. He's a cop. You can trust him. Right. Um... Exactly. He's got a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> like... He's got a mullet and not a cocaine addiction. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And he's fucking yoked, so <laughs> he can protect you. I guess we should say, like, everyone, like, looks good. Everyone's, like, in it to win it. Sure. You know? Everyone looks like who they would be playing, except for Robert Zadar as a Japanese man. Right, Yeah. They're on a date now, and he cooked her spaghetti pie a spaghetti pie. Right. That's called a lasagna, Charlie. Hey, y'all, it's my brother Luigi, and he's (laughs) here to tell you about a whole heap of spaghetti pie of information. No. But he's like, hey, so, uh, we're fucking now, right? And she's like, I don't know, let me swim in your pool for a minute, and I'll decide. Let me swim in the ocean. He's just like, okay, how about now? And she's like, "Mm, let me swim in your pool. And he's like, okay. They go to the beach and they go in and then they go to the pool. That's too much water activities for me. Right. Somebody's getting swimmer's ear. And then they bang because everyone bangs in this movie. Everyone over the clothes bangs in this movie. Right. That's just Uh, how they establish relationships in this movie. Yeah, over the clothes banging. It's either people that you have sex with or don't have sex with, and that is how you divide these people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then there's a special third category of might have sex with this person. Sure, open to it. Open to it, yeah. Uh, Cut to Huggins gets broken into, Uh, and they're like, where's the samurai cop? And he's like, I don't know, I never fucked him. <laughs> he's never kidnapped me and brought me back to his condo to fuck, so I have no idea. That's the only way anybody knows where he lives. <laughs> they fucking murder him and his wife, so Huggins is dead and out of the movie. Uh, guess he didn't get to use his dick uh, at all. Tragic. Uh, he, he's the only one who doesn't get to fuck in this movie. Right, but we do see his wife's boobs. We do see his wife's boobs. Gotta. No particular reason. She dies. It's literally to the point where it's, like, borderline offensive how much they put Boob in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they go to Peggy's house now. And they're like, uh, tell us where the fucking samurai is. And she's like, go to hell! And they pour fucking frying grease on her stomach and vag. And are like, we're gonna keep doing this until you tell us where the samurai is. And she's like, he lives at... one, two, three, uh, mullet lane. And they're like, <laughs> cool, we're going. His car's got a mullet. You can't miss it. Now they go and they kidnap the girl? They show up at Frank's house and they threaten to do the most horrible thing you could possibly do in this movie, and that is cut a man's penis off. Because then he is useless. Yeah, because then he doesn't exist as a human being. Right, he will blink out of existence when you cut <laughs> his wiener off. I just love the <laughs> idea of, Ah! And then just, like, nothing. <laughs> he's gone! <laughs> ah! <laughs> just, like, a cutoff scream. Frank whoops ass, I think, right? Yeah, he stabs him with scissors, and then he yeah. uh, kills the other fellows. And then he he's able to call Joe and be like, Hey, you need to get out of there. They're coming. And he's just like, Psh, I'm coming. And then he's like, No, no, I'm serious. <laughs> They're on their way. <laughs> he's just like, Okay, let me get my pants on. Joe finds out what they've done to, like, everybody. And he's like, all right, that's it. I'm going to fucking murder these fucking fools. I've had enough. I'm taking the entire gang out today. And uh, him and Frank go and they break into the complex. I'm skipping ahead. I don't care if we're not here it's yet. It's fine. Nothing else really matters. They just start murkin' fools. Everybody's getting taken out. Except for Fujiyama and Robert Zadar. But then they break into Fujiyama's house. And Fujiyama's like, Fujiyama shoots Frank, and Joe is like, All right, that's it. You're dead. And he kills him. Yeah, very anticlimactic. He kills Fujiyama, and then come to find out Frank wore his bulletproof vest because he's he had a very Mel Gibson moment. Right. Uh, they're like, All right. We've got them all, except for one fucking chin. (laughs) He's got a bulletproof chin, though, so that covers his whole body. I have to imagine that punching Robert Zadar in the chin is like trying to punch an anvil. Yeah, it's like that scene in Indiana Jones when he punches the big Indian guy and breaks his hand. So they get into a martial arts fight, and, uh... Oh, did you notice that the prop swords had chinks in them? Because they're not meant to be fought with. Yeah, I noticed that. Which, uh, fuck, what, what, what were they called again? What? Oh, um. Uh, the swords? Oh, what were. They? Uh, are you talking about the uh, regular swords or the Japanese swords? Uh, the Japanese ones. What was the word for uh, that? Japanese, that's katana. Katana means Japanese sword. Oh, right. Okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, that that sounds familiar now. That's right. You better know that this is going on a fucking shirt. It's just like a <laughs> badass picture of a sword and it's just like katana. It's Japanese for sword. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a shirt. We'll keep an eye open for it. Honestly, we'll sell it. I will print a shirt. If you want to buy a shirt that has that on it from our stupid podcast, I will sell you one. Robert Zadar and Matt Hannon get into uh, a really decently choreographed martial arts fight. Right. Well, they did start 75 yards apart and did really cool moves towards each other right, for yeah. like five whole minutes. There's that. And then there are a couple of shots in this fight where uh, Robert Zadar pulls on Matt Hannon's clear wig. Clearly, it's a wig mullet. Um, And yeah, and eventually Joe wins and Robert Zadar again commits seppuku. And I can't imagine, but Frank is in the background just going, what are you fucking doing? Stop! Stop <laughs> letting them do this. What is your fucking deal? I get I get what you're doing. I get what you're doing. But it's stupid and stop it. <laughs> hey, Mike. Uh, hey Charlie. Let, I'm gonna you already have the Rotten Tomatoes pulled up, so I'm gonna have to go through this uh, these categories real, real quick. Uh, let's start plot. That goes to lethal weapon uh special effects that goes to lethal weapon uh yeah they had some cool car crashes in lethal weapon i did like that yeah uh the house blowing up was genuinely impressive uh uh genre that goes to lethal weapon because that's actually an action film uh and then characters that goes to samurai cop uh, no that's a joke though by the way it's definitely going to fucking lethal weapon uh for characters for sure all right, Charles, uh, what, what do you think Lethal Weapon got? Real fast, that being said, Lethal Weapon wins the night, We uh, Yes, Lethal Weapon wins, obviously. Watch Samurai Cop if you want to have fun. Watch Lethal Weapon if you want to watch a good movie. Um, right. So, uh, are we going Lethal Weapon? Lethal Weapon, I'm assuming, has an 83. That's a pretty good guy. Uh, tomato meter or audience? Oh, uh, Critic-wise, I'm gonna assume a 76 audience. I'm gonna assume an 83. That's a pretty good guess. 81 critic, 86 audience. Okay, okay. Uh, I thought critics might not have liked this as much. Yeah, it's the. It, uh, I mean, I guess they thought it was, uh, you know, a quarter star less than the audience. But whatever. What? You, what? Are, what about Samurai Cop? I will tell you, there is no uh, critic score. You're telling me no critic what? Are we technically able to be qualified as critics? We do have a podcast. I mean, I don't know what else qualifies you. <laughs> we should write into Rotten Tomatoes and see if we can ver- get a verified critic score. Listen, at some point Daryl will. Daryl Filmsmocker will get a dedicated <laughs> score. He gives good reviews. Yeah. Um, Samurai Cop audience score? It has to be people who fucking love this movie. It has to be, right? Uh, some of it, yeah, sure. I mean, there are, I, I will give you a hint, there's a lot of people who are just like, half a star, this is incredible, you should watch it, you know? Because they want to oh. be fair, but also be like, you should still watch okay. it. Okay, okay, so then I would assume that this got like a, got like a hot 27. Uh, 47. Really? Okay. Alright, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can agree with that, too. I get as mu- I yeah. get about a 47s worth of entertainment out of this. Sure, sure. Uh, I gave it a 27 as far as, like, <laughs> what a movie looks like, you know? Oh, yeah, no, 27 <laughs> makes sense for, like, a oh, movie. But for Samurai Cop, like, 47, I can I can jet with that. What would you give these movies? I Personally, I'd give it... Lethal Weapon 83 Samurai Cop 47 and 27 depending on how we're ranking it. Yeah, I got to tell you um Lethal Weapon I thought it was fine. I wasn't that into it. I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was well made. It just like wasn't that interesting to me. I gave it a 75. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um anyways, uh so what's dare what is Daryl think... Tell me what Daryl thinks about Samurai Cop. Uh, well, first of all, he loved The Chief. We gotta drop it. We're gonna go one star. How's that sound? One star on it? That's a 20. One and a yeah, half. Yeah, one star. We'll go one and a half. One and a half stars. Yeah, one and a half stars. Yeah, that's, according to Rotten Tomatoes, that's quote, oof, that's that was rotten. Uh, so... Yeah. Daryl says, let me tell you about the... Best action movie character alive? Question mark, in parentheses. Right. Uh, LAPD chief of police rocks this movie to its core. <laughs> Best performance in a non-Oscar winning film. <laughs> Best non-Oscar winning actor ever (laughs) Uh, no but seriously I heard about this film from uh, critically acclaimed podcast burnt popcorn find it on you can find which can be found on Spotify watch this movie by recommendation of the hit critically acclaimed (laughs) podcast burnt popcorn (laughs) Technically, we are critically acclaimed because Daryl is technically a critic. Right, and he's acclaiming it. He loves it. He thinks it's a hit. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) That's so recursive. (laughs) The concept of that is so meta. We invented a, a reviewer for Rotten Tomatoes who in turn reviews our podcast and gives it a hit. But because he... Doesn't exist and is just us. Yeah. (laughs) So we ourselves have given ourselves critical acclaim through a critic that does not exist. It's called a circular economy, Charlie. You wouldn't understand. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh Matt Uh, Hannon is a great guy. Okay, uh I'm finished typing up one sentence. I'll hit that. Great laughs, great mullets, great in quotes plot wink uh matt hammond hannon hannon two n's i think so don't you have the cast open somewhere uh somewhere hang on one second matt hannon okay i spelled it right all right cool was it two n's yes dope dope technically three um okay (laughs) matt hannon fuck you terrific guy was asked to give 180%. He went out there and gave it 240. There we go. That's a... Oh my god, could you put... That's a 60% deficit for those keeping track. It was like, take it a little bit too far away from the movie. <laughs> 60%, uh under sale by this movie. Robert. Robert Zadar. Biggest chin in the industry. In the chin industry. <laughs> You're right, Charlie. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but Daryl will not miss a single pun. For sure, for sure. Check. It out with friends and brews. okay that's a, that's a good that's a good review if I read that I would get everything that's needed out of this don't forget your boy Daryl your boy Daryl <laughs> Daryl Films mocker <laughs> submit thank you for your review Daryl excellent <laughs> oh my god Uh, Anyways, Uh, next time on Burn Popcorn time? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Next time on Burn Popcorn, uh, we're going to be watching two movies, and Mike's going to tell you all about them. Hey, guys, come back next time. We're going to be watching a couple spooky movies. We're going to be watching Stephen King's 1408 and a movie I found out about less than two minutes ago, Apartment (laughs) 1303. Uh, (laughs) I... It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a spooky one. Leave the lights yeah. on if you're going to be watching it. Yeah, because you know what better than the night before thing, uh, Valentine's Day to do a horror movie? I don't give a fuck about Valentine's Day. Uh, fuck, love, and bye!